Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 134 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Craig and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, how was it seeing Robinson Cano the other day? It was bizarre, but he led the team in hits, which was Didn't, didn't I tell you last time, you're like, the ring, great, Freed versus, uh, was it Freed versus Max? Yeah, yeah, but then you know Robinson Cano stealing the show, baby. Yeah, yeah, I think he had a hit in his first at bat, then he had another single at the end of the game. He turned a double play. Weird, but hey, I mean, maybe he wasn't in, like incentivized to play against his former team. But yeah, it was a loss on Monday when we were there, but it's all good. So uh, you know, we're still we play the Nats before the All Star break. So you know, keep it within a game or two and of the Mets, and you know, do your thing in the second half. So. Good series overall. It's a fun game. The ring was kind of cool. So, yeah, it's a good time. Freed didn't pitch that well, but Scherzer yeah. definitely didn't disappoint. Yeah, that was not Freed's first like, five walk outing in like forever. Yeah, he had been really good this year from that standpoint, and he just walked machine. He was getting squeezed a little bit, at least mm-hmm. from from my angle. Like it was a lot of pitches that were called or called balls I thought were good pitches, but yeah, you know, I would have to obviously go back and. We'll get Savant, but I don't know. But it's what it is. It's still a good time. Yeah. you. I'd be really happy if I was a Braves fan right now. Like, I feel really good about your chances. Like, like The Mets are obviously very talented, but it feels like it's about to fall apart. Like, there's, there's, like the, the floor for the Mets is much lower than the Braves, I feel. You know, their lineups, I don't think it's, like, all that good. You know, I mean, with, with Marte back in, at least it improves. But the lineup the other night was just, like, pretty underwhelming, in my opinion. I mean – so, so today they ran out Nemo, Lindor, Alonzo, and then you have May hitting cleanup and Canna, Dom Smith, Eduardo Escobar, and then Jankowski. And I don't know. Just to me, it's like not that. The, the, the rotation is obviously really good, and it's going to be even better when you get to Grom back. But the lineup has some weaknesses, so I could see yeah. it. You know, I mean, they were 10 and a half up on the Braves at one point, and it's really, like you said, come off to an extent. And – I'd put the Braves lineup against them all day. Maybe yeah. give the Mets rotation an edge, but they can't stay healthy either. So exactly, it'll be, it'll be interesting. You you guys have so much depth in that. Yeah, maybe obviously the top end. You can't go against Degrom and Scherzer, but like Freed, Strider was the one I'm forgetting here. Kyle Wright, and then right. Morton. 
Morton. Like that's yep. that's a damn good one. Then you just got Ian Anderson chilling at number five. Like that's yeah. a damn good one through four for seven game series, and you throw out you know those guys at all seven games, you got as good a chance to beat anybody. So yeah, yeah, I'd be very happy. That yeah, Scherzer, Degrom, great. But again, I feel like they're always like one start away from going back on the ice, especially Degrom. Even Scherzer nowadays, like he's a lot more dinged up than he used to be. Obviously, he's nearing forty now, but man, but. We're not going to break down the Braves versus the Mets in this episode, <laughs> but we do have a lot of fun topics to talk about today. But before we get into all that, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at AirCross04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed, of course. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have going on from the entire team over at Fantrax HQ. A lot of good stuff. Obviously, we're still pumping out all the fantasy baseball content, both written and audio. SP Streamer podcast, obviously, is a great podcast to check out as well. And fantasy football is ramping up. It's the month of July. Of course, football season's right around the corner. So check out that fantasy football draft. Get over at FantraxHQ.com and our new podcast called The Fly with Colin McTimoney, Kai Haskins, and Ben Lear. Great podcast. Those guys are very passionate. A lot of good ideas. I've been working with them to get that podcast going. We've had a few episodes out now, so go check them out as well. But let's get right into it today. Got a good mix of MLB guys to talk about, some prospects, obviously. A lot of interesting prospect stand-ups over the last month or so. Let's start with Mr. Chris Sale, who looked pretty damn good in his debut the other night against Tampa Bay. Won five shutout innings, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts. This after only nine starts last year. Obviously, didn't pitch at all in the shortened 2020 season and had a really lackluster 2019 when he made 25 starts, 440 ERA, and a 109 whip. That's just so he hasn't really been Chris Sale since 2018, the year we won the World Series when he was absolutely dominant 211 ERA and 158 innings with 237 strikeouts, that following a 308 strikeout season. But I said, we haven't had Chris Sale that we fell in love with for four years now. And he's only, he's only made now 10 starts combined over the last four seasons or three seasons, excuse me, or two and a third. If you count the shortened season, I don't know. Where are you valuing Chris sale at this point, Chris? Like he's 33 years old, obviously on talent alone, he's probably top 15 or so, but factor in the age, just the, the durability that this has not been there for, for the last handful, last half decade, really. Last time he pitched over 200 innings was in 2017, so five years ago. Where are you at? Do you, do you still think he could be a top 100 guy, or are you kind of putting him more like you know 150, 200 range? I think the durability is really the reason that holds him back from being top 100. The, the talent's there. I was encouraged by the velocity. I mean, he said average 95-1, which was really good. It's his... Highest velo since 2018 when he averaged 95.2 on it. I know it's just one start, so it'd be something to monitor, but that's at least encouraging to me. You know, the slider, you'd like to see it get a little more whiffs on it, but you know, we can live with it. I think that he'll be solid. And I just, part of me wonders, like, you know, the crap in the minor leagues, like, it's just obvious, like, he didn't want to be there. He's probably sick of rehab appearances and I'm being sure. in the minor leagues. So, like, so, so are we. Right, right. So, <laughs> Probably frustration on his end. You know, you mentioned the age, the durability. Like for Dynasty, I, I'm worried about his value to an extent. Like I could see going out and getting him on the cheap right now, though. I think if you're a contending team, like he's a pitcher to go buy. I'd at least go see what it would cost to get him. And 
you know, even though he's a little older and there's durability concerns, I think when he pitches, I think he's going to be good. So I'm not worried about the performance as much as the age and durability issues. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. And he needs to pitch well. Like as a Red Sox fan, obviously fingers crossed that he does. We really need him to. We got the velocity was very encouraging. Like you said, it was only one start, but 95-1 slider looked pretty solid. Like I said the whiffs weren't there, but that's you know, really it's been several years since that's been like a huge whiff rate offering for him. 2019 it was 35-7 percent. 2021 was 32%. He has been over over 40% with that pitch since 2018, but obviously still a very good slider. Obviously a lot, you know, kind of a unicorn slider, I like to call it, because you don't see many 79-mile-an-hour sliders with that type of break. You've seen some sweepers, but usually they're a bit harder than that. But, you know, I am definitely am encouraged. He mixed in the changeup as well. He threw 15 of those, 19.2% usage rate on that, which is that's pretty much in line with where he's been at. Like last year, it was 19.8% usage rate on that changeup. I'll wait, you know, and only nine starts. But yeah, I think he can still be, you know, short term, top 25 ish arm for the rest of the season and long term. Yeah, he's a great guy to go get. Like the guys like him and like Jose Abreu and these types that are still very good, but they're obviously like mid 30s now, don't have that same, you know, value as they used to because of their, you know, advanced age. And, if you're contending, absolutely go out and get one of these guys. You know, I said Clayton Kershaw is not a good example. This those those types that definitely have a lot of value to a contending team. So, yeah, fingers crossed with Chris Sale. So far, so good in that first start. We'll see if he can keep it going. I I made a joke to a buddy though that after because we were, I was at the I wasn't watching the game, but I was at an, another game, the Sea Dogs Sea Dogs NAA here to watch Randy Vasquez's start. And we but they had the Red Sox game out on the scoreboard and. We saw that, you know, I forget who it was, coughed up the lead, and we ended up losing 3-2. I was like, ah, he's probably in the clubhouse right now, like, de- demolishing something. He's so pissed <laughs> that he, they coughed up his lead. He had a 2 nothing lead when he left the game after five, and we ended up losing. I think it was like Schreiber might have given it up. I can't remember. But, yeah, so far so good with Chris Sale. Moving over some some younger players here. A couple intriguing promotions over the last week. Most notably, Esturi Ruiz, who, man, like, there's breakouts, and then there's breakouts and that's what Estrella Ruiz had this season in 77 games 374 plate appearances between double a and triple a combined slash 333 467 560 23 doubles 13 home runs 52 walks to 65 strikeouts and 60 stolen bases only caught nine times I think at the time that was that would have ranked third or fourth in major leagues for against other teams, or I think it was only two or three teams had more steals than Ruiz had by himself. And those aren't, you know, low A, high A inflated stolen base. Like he's just always been an elite speed guy. He had 34 steals in 98 games back in 2019. He had 36 and 84 games last year. He had 49 and 117 games in 2018. The list goes on and on. So that elite speed's always been there. But, you know, after, you know, looking good with the bat and rookie ball, it kind of, it's kind of meh with the bat, 250, 240 type of guy. The approach has gotten better. He's hitting more lines rise, which is a huge thing this year, seeing that power uptick. And I think long-term, and people are going to go bonkers over him because of the speed, which could be an absolute you know, huge asset for fantasy purposes. But you know, I think somewhere in like the Tommy Edmond range could be a you know reasonable expectation, you know, like 12 to 15 home runs. 25 to 30 steel, maybe even more than that, you know, 270 ish average. So I think he could be definitely a top 100 guy moving forward. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe now might be a great time to sell high in dynasty leagues, believe it or not, because I've seen some Ricky Henderson comps thrown out there and some other crazy stuff like that. So 
I don't know. Do you think now's a good time to sell high, Chris? Or are you are you holding on to him right now? You know, I do think it's a good time to sell. Every prospect this year outside of Rodriguez and Bobby Witt Jr. have really seen their dynasty value deflate. And I, I'd even argue that Wits was Witt and even J Rod maybe were down in extent to begin the season. So, you know, it seems likely that his value might be at pinnacle right now. And I think it's the prime time to sell. Like you're probably getting the most value out of him now. Yeah, I think he's a very valuable player, but some of the comps are pretty wild that I'm seeing. I like him, but if you can cash out and get a top 100 dynasty guy for him, I would more than willing to do that in my opinion so yeah, i would at least float him and see what you can get like it never hurts to do that because someone could overpay they get excited about the call up like i would suggest at least seeing what you could get but in the right deal i would trade him but i'm not gonna like just trade him for nothing but i do think that this could be peak value for him yeah it's like this falls into one of those ideal times to sell value is just so crazy high on him right now just because of what he's been doing in the minor leagues and like i said there's a lot of tangible changes that the approach has improved you know the more line drives always helps so there's a lot of good stuff in there so i'm not saying that revert back to you know 240 250 hitter like he was for 2018 19 and 21 maybe summer's in the middle which is probably about where i had him about tommy edmund range which is still very good but you know that's no guarantee you know there's definitely a lower floor here High upsides, the wide range of outcomes with Ruiz. But I mean, alongside him, Abrams is starting to pick it up a little bit too, Chris, over the last few weeks. I think it was like seven first, last 17. Had a home run the other day. Coors definitely helps that. Just real quick, I know we didn't have him on the outline, but you know, what, what are your thoughts on Abrams right now? Do you still value him same as you did, let's say, two months ago? Or does or that value change for you? I do, and it seems like people are fading him. They're talking about you know wanting Gunnar Henderson. I've seen people say Gunnar Henderson by a mile over CJ, which I think is that's 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 a bit much nuts. Yeah, I mean we're talking about a 21 year old like in his first taste of professional ball. Like what? I'm not sure what you're expecting, but right. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just goes to show you how quick prospects' values change. And so on the flip side of Ruiz, like Ruiz just coming up with a hype, like trade him. I think now's the peak time to to buy C.J. Abrams, especially, you know, people just look at the overall line. It's extremely underwhelming. So it could be it could present that good opportunity to buy right now. And I just think oh, as the year progresses on, like his, you're only going to see his value increase if I had to guess. And from that standpoint, I just see what you can get for him now. Let's see. Since being recalled, Abrams is hitting. 286 with a homer with no steals which is interesting he hadn't walked which is bizarre but still i mean we're putting the ball in play which is definitely a positive we'll see how the play discipline skills look we're chasing a lot out of the zone that's a little discouraging but the contact is there like the zone contacts at 87 percent since being recalled overall contact 80.2 percent so even with a high o swing like we're still seeing you know productive measures there and i don't know i just really think that the the best days are still ahead for him so i just go out and yeah. see what you can get at least I, I think it's peak time to to go get him yeah i bet you you could probably make a ruiz for abrams trade right now i bet you that's at least possible oh, yeah. yeah people that. people just change values way too quick in their heads yeah and i, I would do that all day i as I, I like ruiz like i said there's a lot of good stuff going on in the profile a lot of tangible improvements this year 
But yeah, I would still take Abrams. I think he's he's the better pure hitter. And yeah, Ruiz is going wild on the base path. But remember, Abrams is an elite speedster as well. He's had a chance to go 30, 35 steals a year as well. So moving on to slightly less exciting prospect, but one that's looking pretty good so far over in Cleveland, Ohio. Mr. Nolan Jones, former, I don't know if he ever made top 25, but he probably got fairly close, on at least top 50, especially on OBP for focused lists as, for sure. For his first six games with Cleveland, he got seven hits, two doubles, a home run, three walks and five Ks, 412, 500, 706 slash. And, you know, he only had 23 games this year in AAA. It was, had an injury, limited him to just those 23 games, but he looked pretty good there as well. 311, 417, 500 slash line, six doubles, home runs, four steals. You know, he's always walked at an incredibly high rate. Like this guy has 327 walks in this 1920, 1968 plate appearances, which equates out to a 16.6% walk rate. K rate did get a bit high last year, dripped over over 30% last year, but you know, came back down a little bit this year on back under 30% at least down to 26.8. That's always been a slight issue of his and more so and that maybe not because he chases too much, but just because he works the count so much. He gets himself in a lot of two strike counts. So maybe, you know, the K rate is a bit higher than it should be given his skills, but where, where are you at right now on Nolan Jones, Chris? Because I think a lot of people in the industry were kind of fading him after a you know, not a terrible year last year. You know, he hit two, 238 but with a 356 OBP. But I think a lot of people were fading him because of the underwhelming performance. But, you know, is, is this a good buying opportunity right now for Nolan Jones? Are you still a, a believer in him long term? Yeah, I am. And I think his value only is better in OBP leagues. He's still a solid average play. He's made some strides with cutting the strikeout rate, making more contact this year. You know, he has really underrated raw power that he really hasn't gotten to. I don't know if he does at this point. I mean, we're talking about somebody that's 24 years old and we really haven't seen him get to big power, but I really do think he's got big power in the profile, at least from a raw power standpoint. And maybe he can get to that in games. I don't know, but I mean, he's already hit a ball 110 miles an hour this year. In 12 batted balls, he's averaging 98 miles an hour, which is you know, pretty dang good small sample, but he's hitting a lot of balls hard. So I think that's a big factor. We've seen him hit more line drives and, you know, surprisingly at AAA, like he had a really high ground ball rate, which was you know pretty yeah. uncharacteristic for what we had seen in the past, like 59% and he was still hitting 311. Like to me, that was encouraging. So I think we see that come down a bit and I'm pretty on board with buying him. Like, I think people just faded him so much. Like he was probably like not rostered in some, some dynasty leagues that are, I would say that they're more shallow. Like he's probably stayed rostered in most, but he probably was cut in a lot of dynasty leagues. So I think it's a reasonable call to say, go out and buy him. I mean, he's been added in 27% of fan tracks leagues as a recent, only rostered in 58% still. So it shows you the big jump, and still, I think he just being a bit undervalued. So I'd at least add him and see where it goes. I'd even add him in redraft leagues. Like, who is stopping him? Like, who is he? No one's going to take his playing time if he performs, just because Cleveland just doesn't really have anybody. Their outfield's just not good. So I'd see him getting continued reps there. I'm not particularly worried about the playing time. If he's hitting, he's going to play. So I'd add him in in pretty much all leagues. Yeah, I would too. You know, I was another one that 
bumped him down probably a bit further than I should. But I was kind of thinking of how I value him long-term the other day. And I can see him settling in kind of in the same ballpark as Nathaniel Lowe. It may be, you know, more OBP, a little bit less average, but, you know, 20, you know, or so home runs adds, you know, low adds in a little bit of speed. I think Jones got in, you know, five, six, seven steals. So I think that general ballpark, so not ever be a, you know, starting caliber guy. Maybe he's a guy who could be a, you know, solid fourth outfielder, maybe a corner infield type for your team. Top like 200-ish overall player maybe, but yeah, that raw power, it's almost like you got to find that good balance of, you know, aggressiveness to unleash that power because like we've said it before in articles and podcasts in the past where I think if he wanted to, I think he could flirt with 30 home runs or so, maybe not 35, 40, but I think he definitely could at least sniff 30 home runs if he really you know, set out to hit for more power instead of this passive approach, which has worked. He has a 399 career OBP, but he has 50, 54 home runs in 462 games, which equates out to about a roughly around 18, 19 or so per 162, which is it's okay, but not he has the potential for at least five to 10 more than that per season. So I do think he's a, a good buy as well. Now, if you mentioned that the playing time should be there as long as he continues to hit, Cleveland doesn't have much. It's like Joe Ram and a bunch of, I don't know, whatever they want to throw out there these days. So he's going to have the opportunity to do so. Nice power, a little bit of speed. You know, he's hitting well so far. So yeah, definitely buy him back in a bit here, at least higher than I was, you know, a year ago or even earlier this year. Moving back over to the major league or the, the pitching side of things, I should say couple of pretty valuable arms here that just don't look good right now. Like I put on the outline, Lance Lynn looks like crap, and so does Tariq Skubal. We'll start with Mr. Lance Lynn here, who since coming back from, what was the injury he had, Chris? I'm blanking on it. I'm blanking. It's knee. It was a knee issue. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, he, No, he's wait. Big... He's Wait, hold on. Is this, this is a recent, he's had surgery on his knee. I didn't even realize he was having another, he's missing time again. Wait, what? Oh, geez. What? Okay, I'm about to cut that. I, all right, so there's a bleacher report. When I Googled Lancelin injury, it said 22 hours ago, and it said knee. And I was like, what? So I clicked on it, and then it said April 22nd. Hold on, I'm going oh, to edit okay. that. Uh, around 21. How would, I, how would I start this whole section over? That's fine. Okay. I, I don't know what in the world. I was like, like that's something. <laughs> Because literally on Google, it says 22 hours ago. So I click on it, and it's like, Lance Lynn, knee injury. Sorry, it says April 3rd, 2022, and I click on it. Like, why are you doing this to me, Bleacher Report? Damn, Bleacher Report. Okay, I'll just start this section over. That's fine. All right, moving back over to the pitching side of things. We have a couple big-name arms here that just don't look good lately. And even, even on our outline here that Chris and I go off of every show, I put down, Lance Lynn looks like crap. Then the line below it. So does Tariq Skubal. Let's start with uh, Lance Lynn, though. After missing the first, you know, two or so months, or at least month and a half, whatever it was, uh, now it was about two months of the of the season with a knee injury. He's made six starts since returning, and out of those six starts, like you look at, you know, debut was against the Tigers, which is you know, should have been a cakewalk. Three earned, ten hits, and a home run over four and a third innings. Really, he's had one good start. He had on the 1st of July against the Giants, six innings, three hits of no run, no runs, two walks, and five Ks. And overall, 697 ERA, 152 whip, K rates, walk rates about the same as it's always been. K 
rates down to 20.1%. You know, but with that said, you look at the XERA is three runs lower. A lot of the ERA indicators are way lower. But even with that, you know, even with those being lower, he just doesn't look right right now. So I don't know. He's how old is he now? Is he 36? No, he's still 35. Do you see? I know it's maybe over a bit overreacting to six starts for a pretty solid veteran that's had a pretty solid track record over the last handful of years. But you know, is it time to start panicking about Lance Lynn moving forward, Chris? Yeah, I mean his velo's down, which is pretty noticeable. I mean, ninety-four average last year on the fastball, ninety-two point six this year. Mile and a half is pretty substantial. Sinker's also down ninety-one one. His cutter's pretty consistent, but the changeup. 87-2 last year, 85-7 this year. So pretty noticeable drop in velo here that I think is probably affecting him for sure. Not limiting him with whiffs by any means, though. He's still getting more whiffs on the four seam than he did last year, which is surprising. The cutter getting similar results. Sinker, even more whiffs than last year. But you're seeing a big fall off with Really, his less used pitches in the changeup and curve, but those were effective when he threw him last year. He's just not really being effective right now, and it's showing with everything that you're getting. I mean, I'm interested to see, like, where does it go from here? I feel like he's still got the stuff, but there's just been a lot of inconsistencies, and, you know, his last start was obviously brutal eight earned runs four innings that will destroy your team and he allowed five earned in five innings before that then he had his good start against the giants i don't know i'm not saying to go out and trade for him but i mean his value is probably the lowest it's been yeah i'm, I'm struggling to figure out what i want to do with lance Lynn right now obviously in, in dynasties doesn't have he's lower than Chris Sale because he's older than Chris Sale and and not as good as Chris Sale. But if a redraft, I don't know. I bumped him down uh, in my rest of season rankings, which will be out today on Thursday when you're listening to this. Let's see where did I bump him down to? It was 43. He was 32 last week. I almost want to go even lower. Like you know, since returning like 697 ERA, 152 WHIP. You know, the cases aren't there. I don't know. You, like, the, like you mentioned, the velocity's down, move, his movements down on a lot of his, his fastballs. He's kind of altered his, his pitch mix here. Like last year, he only threw you know seven point six percent of his curveball and changeup combined, ninety two point four percent combined on four seam cut and sinker. This year, he's using the out of the slider, using curveball and changeup more. Those three are, I don't know, quick math around like twenty two ish percent. So. And maybe he gets back to going more with that, you know, heavy fastball with the, you know the three distinct fastballs there, four seam cutter and sinker. Is that that was working for him last year? All three are pretty solid offerings. You know, all had a batting average against under two fifty. You know, slugging against a four hundred or less. So maybe he gets back to that. I don't know. He doesn't look good, and that velocity dip is pretty concerning for sure. So I don't know. I guess right now you got to hold and see if he, he kind of turns it around, but. You know, I maybe had to bench him for a start or two here until he gets right. And I say that he's probably going to have a gem his next outing. This is how it goes. But moving over to Tariq Skubal, he's just been even worse, really, over the last month. And this is a guy that was just dominating first month and a half, you know, near two months of the season where, you know, people were asking, you know, is he a fantasy ace? I didn't quite get to that level, but I think I had him 
around top 20 overall. So, uh, you know, it's firmly in the mid to upper, you know, SP2 range. But over his last seven starts, including four earned and six innings today, so it wasn't like a blow-up. But And he's really had a lot of blow-ups, just a lot of like that, a lot of just bad, you know, meh, mediocre outings. So last seven starts, 35 innings, 45 hits, 29 runs, 15 walks, 32 Ks. That's a 746 ERA and 171 whip. Chris, you think, is this a case where maybe we just went too far to the other end of the spectrum? With Scooball, obviously he's better than this. You know, we've seen that. He's a very talented arm, but maybe he's just not top 20 guy. But I still think he can be a solid, maybe mid to back end SP2 or even a high end SP3 top 30 or so pitcher for Dynasty. But I don't know. He's just not looking good right now. Yeah. And he's allowing more home runs than he did. It's not ex- as extreme as it was last, at least last year. And that would kind of plagued him. I wonder if the warmer weather is kind of caused that some obviously hadn't been good in June over six starts to five, eight, five ERA, which is you know far from encouraging to have 34 K's and 32 innings. But still, when you're rolling out five, eight, five ERA and a one, four whip over the month, it's not going to really benefit your team at all. This month it's been pretty much more of the same five, nine, four ERA and three starts. So, you know, not great there. He's had a, a couple blowups. He had another, you know, rough outing today in an easy matchup, I'd say, against the Royals where he allowed uh, four earned and six innings with five Ks. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think we did go a little high on him. I did. I know. I think he will be okay. He's at least eating a ton of innings, like which is is really good. So he's he's compiling innings. He's over 100 innings right now, which is, is beneficial. I think he comes back around to what extent? I don't know. I think he's probably like a closer to a four ERA type, which is is fine. Like that'll work for your team. You don't have to be a low threes ERA type like he was doing early on in the season for him to be okay. So I'm I'm okay with what he's doing. We the velocity did take a has seen a tick up, which is interesting. I'll be curious when they put this in after today's start, but his last start as Vila was actually up. The highest that's been since early on in the year, since early May. So we'll see if that sticks. But the velo did dip in his July 3rd start pretty significantly and was back up. So I'd follow that. I'd watch him close. I think he's fine, but I'm not crazy about him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. I think he's good. I just don't think he's great where I think people were valuing him. And a couple of things I, I noticed when digging into the profile, I have to go back and look to see if he like changed his arm slot at all because – some of the differences in, especially in vertical movement on on his breaking pitches from last year to this year is pretty stark. Like, see his slider last year. This is vertical movement, thirty two point six inches of drop. This year it's down to twenty five point three. Curveball sixty three nine down to fifty five three. So a lot less vertical movement on both of his breaking balls. You know, without really, you think he would have gained some, you know, a lot of horizontal or something like that. But, you know, the curveball, he's throwing harder by about three miles an hour this year. A slider is also being thrown harder, about actually about three miles an hour for both. So, I don't know, interesting change there, throwing both of those harder than he did last year. And maybe that's just not working this year because the slider you get in the last couple of months, especially you know, last month in June, 281 batting average against on the slider, 594 slug. Uh, curveball was 333 batting average against and 500 slug this month in July 417 batting average against and 750 
uh, slug on that slider. Curveball is, is better, but he's almost gotten rid of the curveball down to 5%. That's really dropped off. He was around uh, 10% in April. Down, to, He's cut that in half, basically, going more so four-seamer, sinker, changeup, and slider. But th- that slider has not been good. Four-seamer still hasn't been good. He was better earlier on the season. It was, it was terrible last year, but it's back to kind of being terrible. Like this month, 429 betting of a against and a is that right? 1429 slug. Ooh. <laughs> oh my That's god. Bad. I had to like look them like, is that a type of take? <laughs> 761 Wobo. <laughs> I know it's only been a few starts, but mm. oh my god, that just wow. I just I'm not used to seeing that. <laughs> 1429 slug. All right. Yeah, so not good. But yeah, I, I think Scooball is he's just not what he was, you know, as good as he was early on in the year. He's not this bad either. He's somewhere in the middle. I think he can do a bit better than four ERA. Maybe he's like a three five, three six, three seven ERA with you know twenty five, twenty six percent K rate. So yeah, I think that's a high end SP three. Maybe a back end SP two. Yeah, I think he's a little better than what Jose Barrios was for several years. I think he can get a little more K's in Barrios, but maybe similar ratios. So I think that's the the general range where I think he falls into long term. All right, speaking of pitchers here. That you know, I personally think this next guy is a bit overvalued. I, I had a tweet last night. I haven't looked at it in the last like twenty minutes or so, but at least the, the first five hundred votes, I pinned up. I asked people, all right, who would you rather have? And I asked just for rest of season, uh, as I was work, working on my rest of season starting pitcher rankings. And these guys ended up being you know fairly close, only like four or five spots apart. I asked like, who would you rather have, Alec Manoa or Christian Javier? And immediately, I knew it was going to go like this, too. It went 85% Manoa, which made me think, you know, I looked at the stats. You know, obviously, I looked at last 30 days. Javier has better stats. That's what, like five, six starts. Obviously, small sample size, but I still would take Manoa. But that started to make me think, is Manoa just a bit overvalued? Like, you look over the last 30 days, Manoa's been solid. You know, he's been good. Where were his stats here? 38 innings, 332 ERA, 103 whip. 23.2% K rate. So K rate's kind of middle, middle of the road. Doesn't have a huge K rate. And he never really has. He's never been a guy that, you know, racked up, you know, 10 plus strikeout games. He's never been that type of guy. He just induces weak contact. He can get saw guys off with that sinker. That sliders is a, a solid whiff rate pitch, but that's really it. So while I think he's still very good, he's definitely like SP2 moving forward. I feel like a lot of people are valuing him just on namesake alone as, damn near borderline top 10 arm especially for dynasty purposes and i think i still i had him there which i'm gonna move him down a, a little bit in my next update but i don't think he's a top 10 arm like in my rest of season rankings i moved him down to night uh, no 21 overall he's right in the same range as like you know again rest of season not dynasty like robbie ray who's been doing oddly very well lately he's got back up back on track last couple months here charlie morton kershaw striders in that range but I don't know. I think Manoa is a bit overvalued. So I think might now might be a solid time to try to see what you can get for him. Like if you can get a Javier type of guy and then also get a really good second piece that can help you out, I might look to pull the trigger on that. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Chris? Um interested. I don't know. The strikeout rate is really the biggest thing, I think, keeping him from being that guy, but he's been really good. I mean, even last month. I w- last month was June was his worst month, and he still had a 2.56 ERA in 38.2 innings, a 103 WHIP. Like he he's got the walks down so much that he's 
you know, the whip has been stellar. That's a huge help to your teams. And the K's, well, not great. I mean, he struck out 33 over 38 innings last month. This month, this month has been, you know, not so good. Obviously, two starts, and he had a bad start against the A's of like all teams where he went five and two thirds, four earned, five Ks, two walks. But overall, the numbers have been there. The swinging, swing and miss stuff is really the concern there where he's just not getting a ton of whiffs. And I think that's what's hurting him. The four seam whiff rate is down 8% from last year. The slider whiff rate is down six or five and a half percent from last year. Um, sinker, yeah, you don't get a ton of whiffs on sinkers, but that's still down five percentage points. So all those are pretty notable seeing those down. And you have to wonder why exactly. But I think I don't value him as an ace, but I do think he's like a high end two where he's really good at managing hard contact. He's gonna he's significantly improved his stuff with at least walks. So the, the control has been a little bit better. He talk about scuba eating innings. Uh, Manoa's at 107, two thirds innings and 17 starts, which is great. And he's providing a low ERA and the whip below one. Like those are huge helps for your team. The biggest thing is, can he get the strikeouts up? Like, can he get the strikeout rate up to 25%? I guess is the question. Like right now he's like a similar pitcher to freed, I guess. I'd Dude, say I was, I was just about to say that I was, I was going to ask you who you wanted moving forward, Manoa or Freed. Yeah. I mean, you naturally you take Manoa because of age and dynasty, but they're, I think they're very comparable with what you're getting right now from the production standpoint of where they've been you know, really good from an ERA standpoint and even a whip standpoint. The K's are a little bit underwhelming of what you'd want of a high end starter, but they're both stable and really good. So and at 24 years old, there's still room for improvement too. We often see pitchers peak later so i'm uh i'm not out on him i mean i think it maybe he's like he's not quite top 10 for me but he's he's definitely a a solid top 20 top 15 dynasty arm yeah no i'm not out either but i i think like seeing that poll I'm like that they that shouldn't be 85 15 like i think people think he's like you know 28 29 k rate and yeah the the era is overall in the year in the mid twos but you know a lot of the ERA indicators are a bit higher than that. So I think he's like a low three ERA, you know, 24 ish percent K rate guy, which I basically just described Max Freed. How old is Max Freed? He's not that much older, is he? I think he just turned 28. So he's not like significantly older. 28? Yeah. He, I'm pretty sure he just turned 28. Check that. I thought um, he was like 25, 26. How is he 28? Wow. Yeah. He, he uh, turned 28 in January. So before the season. Oh, she's like 20 and a half now. Okay. He, yeah. I mean, he was around, he was around a long time. I think he was in the 2012 draft. Oh yeah, that's right. He has, yeah, has been. Yeah. He, yeah. He's been around forever. And yeah, he was a high school draftee back yeah. then. 2012 seventh overall pick. So yeah, he's been around forever. <laughs> wow. Was, was he in Anderson? No, Anderson was a handful of years later. No, Anderson. Andrew, like, 16. Wait, that's right. Yeah. A few years later. Okay. Who was They have to another high school arm in there too. It didn't pan out. I forget who it was, but anyway, uh, I don't know. But yeah, as I said, I think he's around freed again. That's a freed like Max. If you looked up SP two in the in the on Google, I must. I we can't say the dictionary anymore. Who uses the dictionary anymore? Like it's Google. Everyone Google stuff nowadays. So if you look, if you Googled Max or SP two, it'd be just a picture of Max Freed looking at you. And I think Manoa is right in that range. So again, I think he's just. But I don't think people think that. If I put out a poll between Manoa and Freed, I bet you it would be 
it's 70-30 or so towards Manoa. I, I think it's a lot closer than that. So, again, not saying he's bad, not saying I'm out, but just I think it's a good time to, you know, like I said, sell, get a, a good second piece that is closer to him than people think, and then get another piece with that. And like I said, for, you know, if you could trade him for, like, Max Fried and, like, another, like, to back end top 100 guy or something like that, I think that's something you could probably pull off, and I would do that all day. Last name here before we hit a break, Trevor Story. I guess we'll start this first half of the show with a Red Sox, end with a Red Sox. And one that I'm just struggling to figure out how I want to value him. As you look at the stat line, and overall counting stats are pretty good right now. 15 home runs, 10 steals, 58 RBI. You know, it helps when you're hitting behind Devers and Bogey and JD and all them. Uh, that definitely helps. And also 49 runs. So he's on, you know, roughly like a 27 homer, you know, 18 steal, 100 RBI, you know, 90 run pace or something like that. But the slash one's 221, 289, 423. And, now, and we said off season that, you know, give him some time to get adjusted to that set of cores. How long is that adjustment period? Like we are over halfway through the season now. We're like, what, 90, 92 games in, something like that. Over halfway through the season and outside, and I, I tweeted, you know, not too long ago, like, outside of that one two-week stretch, he turned into like Babe Ruth for, you know, like I said, two, three weeks. He's been really not, it's not good outside of those two weeks. I'm trying to find that tweet here. So I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, right. So from opening day to May 15th, 196, 276, 286 slash from 516 to 526. So even this week and a half, which was his 46 plate appearances, 333, 413, 974 with eight home runs. And then from May 27th to, I did this tweet three days ago, 211, 269, 388. So again, counting sets are still there because he's in that good lineup, good park. But is it time that we just bump him down? Like, should he be, you know, I don't think he should be top 50 anymore. I think he's maybe closer to top 100 than top 50 at this point. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I haven't dropped him substantially yet. I, I guess because I roster him a lot of dynasty leagues. <laughs> is, is, it, is it time to, though? I think that's the question. Running a really low Babbitt, which, you know, I guess that begs the question of, you know, you look and, yeah, cores definitely boost your Babbitt. But right. even looking at his career on the road, he still had a 314 Babbitt throughout his career away from Coors Field. And this year is down at 277. I'm curious his home and road splits for Babbitt, let's see. Home two, yeah, so 272 at home and 283 on the road. Yeah, you know, I mean, Fenway is actually a pretty good park for Babbitt. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, yeah, his Babbitt's going to come up. Like, it should pull up his average. I'm not necessarily sitting here and telling you that his line drive rate is down, which line drives obviously induce the most batted balls that land for hits. But you've seen that trend downward the last three years, 2019. His line drive rate was at 24.3. That was the peak of his career. 2020 was 22.7%, obviously a smaller sample. 2021, it was down to 18.9% line drives. And this year, it's 16.5%. He's hitting too many fly balls and pop-ups that are causing him to get out. It's like, that's really what I'm seeing in the profile. And maybe that's something that can be fixed. But, you know, Savant splits out fly balls into pop-ups, and he's at 13.1% pop-ups and 30 one percent fly ball, so that's a pretty hefty rate there. When we look at it in that standpoint, the ground balls aren't an issue; it's the pop up. So maybe we can get that figured out and straightened out. But 
you know, his production, you're right, is probably warranted a drop in ranking, but I'm kind of holding on as a top 50 guy back in top 50 kind of seeing, you know, do the strikeouts get in check like 30.7% right now? Maybe that comes around. I don't know. It's tough to say, but I, I'm remaining hopeful for the the moment, at least giving him a little bit longer leash just based on what we've seen. I know everybody will sit here and say, well, he's out of course, like you should have expected this, but I'm, I'm not looking at it that way, honestly. And I think that he'll be okay personally. Not Maybe not to the standard we once thought of him, but I do think he kind of stays as a, a top 50 guy. Yeah, I, I think he. Actually, I think he'd still be good. Obviously, like the counting stats are still there. He'll be in Fenway. He'll be in the Red Sox lineup. Those two things are always positive. But I said the, the higher K rate, higher whiff rate, higher chase rate, lower zone contact rate. These aren't like huge jumps or, or decreases, whatever you want to call them. But you know, they are. They all are worse than in years past. And a lot of these are career worst marks. Whiff rate, second worst of his career. Chase rate is the worst of his career. K rate is the worst since his first two seasons. So the worst in the last five, five seasons. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's definitely still top 100, but I don't know. I, I, I can't do top 50 personally. Like I just, I see a lot of red flags here. Just, just watching him. He just doesn't look good at the plate. And I think he's just a product of, being in a good lineup in a good park. And obviously those matter in fantasy and you got to, you know, he can only, you know, play where he can play and hit where he can hit in the lineup. So I don't, I don't know. I just think he's, I don't know. I'll probably put him in the vicinity of 70 to 75. If I had to guess, plus he's 29. It's like, he's like super young anymore. And that's not old either. You know, I'm 32 now. So I don't want to say 29 is old to make me feel even older, but I don't know. This is a lot more blue in the profile than it used to be. I don't know. I'm I'm just I guess I'm just a little bitter because he's probably the guy that makes it so we can't re-sign Xander Bogarts or Raphael Devers or both. But I don't know. I'm just I think it's time to bump him down the rankings a bit here. All right. Let's go take a quick break, get a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. The Performance 4.0 package by Manscaped has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer of the future, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm blown away by the performance and craftsmanship of this trimmer. Their fourth-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight you need for more precise shaving. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor, and you thought that was good, but Manscaped wants to take your grooming game even further, and the Performance 4.0 package includes the Weed Whacker, 
nose and ear hair trimmer, which is also waterproof and has the proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their Performance 4.0 package, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself and get some new tools for your shed. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping using the code toolshed. That's right. 20% off. Use the code toolshed. Get some new tools for your shed and join 5 million men around the world today who used Manscaped. All right. Welcome back from the break. Let's get in some prospect standouts here. Let's start up in the good old Pacific Northwest with my boy, Noel V. Marte, who up until the you know, first like month and a half, two months of the season was not bad, but not good. Like he was this kind of kind of I, I hate using the term meh, but I think I used the word term meh way too often. But this is what he was. It was like, you know, slash line was OK. There wasn't a lot of power speed was there a little bit, but not to the level that we were kind of expecting. He was underwhelming, I guess is a better way to, to describe him. But over the last 30 days, he has really, really performed how we thought he would all season. So that's 109 plate appearances over the last 30 days, slashing 311, 422, 578, seven home runs, six steals, 13.8% walk rate, and a 14.7% K rate, showing that power, showing the speed getting the approach back in check here, which it wasn't out of check. It wasn't like he had a, a super high K rate or anything like that, but he's really showing a better approach lately over the last month or so that he's ever shown getting that power speed blend back to where we hoped it would be, you know, 311 average, 422 OBP, a lot of good things here. So he goes from being a top 10 guy to I had him around 20 last update, and I think he's creeping back up in the top 10 territory is he there for you, Chris? I think I'm going to hold him near 20. You mentioned he's definitely been better since June 1st, 283, 77, 536 slash. You've seen the strikeout rate drop to 21.2% over that time. He does have nine home runs over that span, which is encouraging. I'm a bit worried about the steals. I'm not sure how much he actually runs long-term. I mean, you've seen him already getting caught more this year. I mean, he does have 11 on the year, but been caught five times. You know, last year caught seven times you just have to wonder like he's you know, bigger bulky type guy he's really put on some weight and in turn gotten to the power that we thought he could but i don't know i am concerned about the stolen bases but again that's you know the least of my concerns in this profile he, i'm definitely encouraged by the cutting and strikeout rate that we've seen like that's been great to see as he's really come down there so i'm on board i still have him I still think he's going to stick in that 10 to 20 range. A top 10's got some real talent right now. Obviously, if he keeps this up, he could certainly push up. But overall, I would say that I'm encouraged. I still like him, but I'm not top 10 on him, but close. Yeah, I think I was looking at Rick. I have him back up to 13 overall. You know, there's just so many good guys in the top 10. It was like, I can't put him back ahead of like Tovar, who's right in that range. I just can't do it. But. He's, he's in that discussion again, I think, and that's just showing. I, I also share those concerns about how much he runs long-term because of the body, but I still think 
speed will be at least somewhat of an element to his game where maybe it's like you know five to ten steals maybe he does get double digits early in his career but settles in is more of like five to eight guy later on in his mid to late 20s but 25 30 home runs i think still solid average solid obp is in that profile as well where he plays in the field i have no idea at this point you know seattle's got a lot of good young talent if i had to you know throw 100 bucks my own money down right now i'd probably say third but who knows it could be third it could be maybe quarter outfield i think short is still a possibility though i wouldn't bet a ton of money on that but it's nice to see him you know back to doing the lovey Marte things here in the last you know month or two next couple names here two of the bigger you know rising names this year the really fun sexy new names that are you know getting near the top of the rankings now Ellie De La Cruz and Jackson Churio both are just continue to tear it up in the lower minors here Ellie De La Cruz in high A 20 years old still over the last 30 days, 99 plate appearances, slashing 341, 434, 718, with nine home runs, 13 steals. It is high A, but you know, still showing that huge power speed blends. And what's really encouraging, like those are great. Like the power speed is great. That slash line is sexy. But what I like the most is that 14.1% walk rate over the last month. And a 26.3% K rate, which might not sound great just by, you know, that number alone, but compared to where he was, you know, that was about 33, 34% a month or two ago. So he's making those incremental improvements with the approach while still showing the power speed blend without losing any power. He's not sacrificing anything, getting in the higher OBPs earning. I mean, Martinez is the run. He's super exciting. I think he's top 20 now. And I think, you could see him top 10 before the season's over. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I I want to say both are already there in the top 10. I mean, I know it seems, right? it seems <laughs> nuts. I've done a little digging on Churio. I was interested, like how is he against off speed pitches, you know, change ups, curves, etc. And while he's been a little underwhelming against change ups, like, He's really been good against breaking balls. While he's at a lower level than minors, like he's not going to see as advanced of breaking balls. Like, you know, still, I'm encouraged to see good results there early on. We're talking about you know, the youngest player in full season ball, I'm pretty sure. Most everybody his age is in, you know, complex ball and was in extended spring training when he started. So, I mean, the WRC plus, you know, it's amazing. You've see, probably seen the tweet of comparable people his age at the level and he was above like, you know, every stud there. So, I mean, he is, he's really just crushed. He, he crushes mistakes. You watch him hit and, you know, that's the biggest thing. You're seeing some of the lower level pitchers leave these breaking balls hanging and he just, you know, demolishes them. But I'd say overall, like his, you know, his barrel rates are really good against off speeds from what I was able to, to pick up. And like I mentioned, the heat maps do show that he, can really crush mistakes and does well against breakers. So that's encouraging to me. With Ellie, you're right. I mean, the cut in the K rate's really been the biggest thing, the, the increased average in contact. I mean, yeah, he's still running a 30.5% K rate right now, but I mean, we've kind of seen it. We've seen him go through stretches where he's improved it. 
but the ability to hit for average has been been really big. And the K rate, as I mentioned, has come down if you look as the season has progressed, which to me is encouraging. Over the last month, just at 25.5%. Season, I mentioned 30.5%. So he is turning in the right direction there, walking more. I mean, daggum, a 6'10 slug is impressive. He how, has a 160 WRC+. plus. Well, he is older than Churio. He has a 307 ISO. The power speed is just ridiculous here. So I'm, you know, it's crazy, but I'm pretty much like on board completely with him. So, man, are both these guys top 10? Like, they're certainly pushing for it. First off, I love that you just said daggone. That's, that's like one of the most <laughs> southern sayings. Like, you can tell you're, you're from the south there. I love that <laughs> saying. But yeah, Ellie De La Cruz, I, I'm. I'm much higher on De La Cruz than Churio. Actually, I like Churio. There's a lot of talent there, but two things that just continue to give me some little bit of pause in going that high and that crazy with him in my rankings is he's still striking out a good amount. Again, he's young, very talented, but the K rate over the last month, 33%. Is actually, the average is starting to dip 242 over the last month. But like you said, Chris, He's he might he's either the lowest, uh, youngest I should say, or one of the youngest in full season ball. I think he is the youngest. He still got six home runs, five steals over the last month. You know, eight, you know, fourteen total extra base hits, one hundred and six plate appearances. But the K rate remains a little high. There's still obviously he's young, so this can plenty of time to work on this. But there is he needs to go through and make those adjustments like De La Cruz has done, and. I just don't trust Milwaukee's track record of developing hitters. I've said it before, you know, but you look at the last handful of years, guessing Huria didn't pan out, or at least not to the you know level that we thought or even anyone's near it. You know, Perez was the, the big name last year. He's fizzled out a bit, you know, at least compared to what we thought he could be. Garrett Mitchell, there's just a lot of you know, even look back at some of their big names from you know five, six years ago. I'm trying to think back like Tristan Lotz didn't amount to anything. Lucas Urkeg, I never could say his last name. E-R-C-E-G, yeah. I remember it was. I think Ur- that's right. Urkeg or Urseg, maybe it was a soft C, I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. But just a lot of those guys never panned out. So I just don't trust their, their hitting development. So, I don't know. Still talented, very talented. Upside is sky high. We've seen that. Like He looks the part. But let's, I, I'm just not ready to go that high with him. De La Cruz is getting damn close. And like I said, I think if he continues this and continues to show, you know, the incremental improvements with the K rate, the walk rate, with the swing and strike rate, all of that while still having the massive power speed blend. Yeah, I think he's going to be top 10 very, very soon. Like, what is he up to now? I'm trying to pull up his overall stats for the season. He's probably, he's, oh my word, he's 20 home runs and 28 steals right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think he was quite 2020 yet, but he's almost 2030 in 72 games. That is just insane. He said he's one of the lowest, youngest at high A at 20 years old. So, man, yeah, De La Cruz is very, very enticing. And he's got that ballpark waiting on Great American Small Park. A lot to get excited about. But Churio, I felt a little bit of pause. Maybe if you can sell high, get a, a safer piece that's still, you know, very high in rankings as well. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. So I think this definitely, I'm, I'm more. I feel better about Ellie reaching his potential than I do Cherry. Again, still young, but obviously two very, very talented hitters. All right, moving over to this guy I put on for selfish reasons. Jeter Downs actually has been performing pretty well over the last you know month or so. 
you know, up in Boston. Well, this is between a little bit of time in AAA, but he's, he had a game-winning hit the other day against the Yankees. Uh, that's got to feel good. Well, over the last month, 93 plate appearances, 312, 409, 662, seven home runs, six doubles, 8. 11.8% walk rate, and a 20.4% key rate. Again, that's slid up some AAA, mixed in with some MLB. I'm combining the two, but still, it's very encouraging. And eight steals as well. I didn't even mention that, eight steals. So getting back to, at least in, the, in this small little snippet here, of a lot of what made D- Jeter Downs a very attractive prospect for fantasy. And I, I'm not sure if I'm, you know, I'm not ready to go back on him to that degree, but you know, maybe he's another guy like a Nolan Jones. Who we talked about earlier. Maybe we went a little too far down on him, but you know, I think there might be a little nice little fantasy player here still, but what, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he's, he's been good. I'm curious, like what is his long-term outlook like? And where does he fit? I mean, does, does Xander go like if does if Xander goes they I guess they bump story to short and Jeter plays second I mean has played some third too I mean Devers obviously there so man I, I don't know he's like how does he fit into the plans in Boston I guess is the question yeah. and we we still got York coming up who's you know has struggled a bit as well Mayor obviously there's still a lot of guys that I still think are better than him. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm just like I said, and like I said, this is mostly been on AAA, so take it for what it's worth. But just improving that, I think that the K rate in general, getting that back down in the low twenties, where he kind of was earlier on in his career, especially over in Cincinnati when he was still in that org. So I'm starting to, you know, I'm not fully buy back in, but I don't know. I'm intrigued. I'll say that. Yeah, certainly interested if he can bounce back. I mean, this was once a talent we thought was a top 20 prospect at least i did so power speeds there if he can get back to hitting for decent average like even if he's a 250 hitter like that's certainly a valuable fantasy asset yeah if he can just get 240 250 i think he can flirt with 2020 like that power speed has never really gone away it's just really the approach and the contact skills i don't think he's ever giving be more than 250 but yeah 250 2020 still has plenty of value we'll see i said it's still I, I echo those concerns. I don't know where he fits with the Red Sox long-term, but you know, right now, you know, Kike keeps having setbacks with his, with his rehab. It was halted the other day. So who knows when he returns and maybe this is the thing he just keeps getting pushed back and back and downs gets some, some run here. We'll see, but yeah, definitely uh, I'm intrigued at least maybe he's a good speculative buy just to see, just see where this goes. Maybe it doesn't amount to anything, but you can probably get him for, Dirt cheap in dynasty leagues, just to see where it goes, see if, it, see if there's any legs to this moving forward. All right, a couple more names here before we get out of here. Two more hitters, and then we have a trio of pitchers: Edgar Cuero from the Los Angeles Angels and Vaughn Grissom from Chris's Atlanta Braves. Edgar Cuero doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to the you know top catching prospects in the game. I think you know, obviously he's with the Angels, so again. They're another team like Milwaukee, whose track record I just don't trust. But as 19 year old in low A, 318, 438, 565 over the last month, nine doubles, four home runs, even his five steals. He's a pretty you know solid athletic catcher as well. You know I don't think you know don't read too much into those five steals in low A, of course. But you know also a 12.4 percent walk rate, 17.1 percent K rate. I think he's a guy that is a really sneaky good dynasty buy right now, Chris, just because again. I don't think he gets as much love as he should. I think he's maybe a top 200 guy right now. 
There's a lot of underrated catchers, so I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> He's one of them. Yanir Diaz is another one. Yeah, we can keep going down a list, but that just I think goes to show you like you don't need to buy the top tier catching prospects because there's guys like this that you know come about and perform. And Quero is interesting. He's a switch hitter, which you like to see, and the numbers have certainly been there. You know, maybe he doesn't steal any bases long term, but who cares? Like if you're hitting for good average and providing some pop, then like this was a position that's so scarce for fantasy. And with Cuero, you know, he's he's done a lot of good this year. Obviously in low A, but just nineteen, turn nineteen the very beginning of the season. Still a ways off, but you know, certainly track this name. I, I think that he's got to be moving up boards, especially looking at the improvements that he's made with the contact skills this year. And cutting the K rate, like all those are pretty significant strides. This is definitely a player that could continue to improve at the plate. And there's a lot of value to be had here with with a catcher like this, where, like I said, the position's so scarce. So uh, go pick him up. I I think that he deserves to be rostered in more dynasty leagues than he is. I'm, we'll see. Yeah. I'm just going to see how, how many percent he's rostered on fan tracks. Probably two, three percent, if I had to guess. Yeah, five at most. Yeah, that's probably fair. If Fantrax will load, Edgar Cuero, 1%. So, there you go, yep. Yeah. Sounds about Adam, right. Yeah. And a lot of other, there's a couple other names that are that undervalued catcher. You know, Drew Romo, Logan O'Hoppy. There's another one I just had in my mind here. I forgot. But yeah, there's definitely several. Like, you don't have to pay up for like the elite tier. And yeah, those those guys are really fun, of course. Uh, Shailen Galeers, I think, is underrated as well offensively. So there's a lot of good underrated catchers. You don't have to pay up to get you know, the elite, the Alvarez's and the Moreno's and Austin Wells, those types of the world, Henry Davis, all great prospects, of course, but a lot of fun, sneaky, good, you know, dynasty catchers out there that you can get for very, like you said, 1% rostered in Fantex League. So yeah, go out and get Ed Cuero, go out and get, you know, Drew Romo, all these guys, Logan O'Hoppy, a lot of good fun names there that you can get for very solid values in dynasty. And then Vaughn Grissom, you know, you know, we, we've gotten asked a lot of Vaughn Grissom questions. Oh, Bo Naylor. That's the other one I was trying to think of. There we go. Bo Naylor. Yeah. I, I just popped in my head. Sorry. Vaughn Grissom is the last name on the list here. You know, he's just a guy that he doesn't stand out in any one area, I don't think. But he's just really good. Across, it doesn't hurt you in any one area. Has some solid power, some decent speed as well. Contact skills and approach have always really been there. Walk rate's a little over 10% for his career. K rate is under 15%. You know, this year in 75 games, he's actually just got up to double A a couple of days ago. Overall, 317, 407, 488, 11 home runs, 21 steals, 32 walks to 41 Ks in those 75 games. So maybe, again, he's not a, a guy that wows you in any one area, but I think there's like a poor man's Tim Anderson here in that profile. Grissom's a really good ball player. I've seen him several times this year's Rome's been in Greenville. He's now in double A, so it'd certainly be fun to track his progress. But yeah, he's just you just watch him play and he just stands out really above everybody else in the field. I know that Rome team isn't great, but Grissom definitely is a standout. He's a big boy too. I mean, he's listed at six three, two ten, and he's every bit of it, if not, you know, bigger, and he still runs extremely well despite that size. And, you know, the power really come along this year, which is is big. Hitting the ball on the ground a lot less. That was pretty significant. More fly balls and you know, increased strength led to more home runs. 
11 so far this year. I think he's average game power when all said and done, and he's going to provide some speed, which is you know, another big thing. And the hit tool is better than advertised, in my opinion. He's consistently hit at every level, and he just kept doing it. The strikeouts, I mean, he he literally struck out 11.6% of the time in high A. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, nearly a one-to-one walk to strikeout rate. This is a – he's a great ball player. The bat-to-ball skills are really good here. He's got an incredibly high floor, and – and even if he moves off short, I don't really care because I think that the bat's going to play. So I think he's highly underrated. I think he's, you know, he, I've pushed him to 70 overall in my prospect rankings. And I'm curious how high can he get? Yeah. I think I have him in that similar range. I think he can get even higher. I think he could, I think there's a, a future where he's top 50 by the end of the year. Maybe not much yeah. higher than that, but definitely with what he's done with context skills, the approach. Nice power speed blend. Like I said, it doesn't wow you, but this does everything well across the board. Like you said, he's a ball player. Like he's like, get up to Atlanta. Where he fits long term, I don't know. Obviously, they got Albies at second and Swanson at short, at least for the next few years. Neither one of them are free agent anytime soon, are they? No. Not no, yet. Not. At least the next couple of years. So yeah. who knows if that all pans out? No, he's, he's still a couple of years away. So, or at least maybe mid to late next year, he's, he's up. But they still got time to figure that out. But yeah, definitely a just very underrated dynasty buy right now for sure all right three names on our list here to round out the show you know, all three pretty you know bigger names here that are performing well over the last month dl hall bobby miller and taj bradley let's start with dl hall because on talents upside stuff all that if you just look at that i think dl hall is top five like he is nasty you know, Baltimore is, you know, a very good player development org right now. He's got the pedigree, can miss bats at an elite clip. Like you look at this year in 61 and two-thirds innings, he has 101 strikeouts. But he also has 36 walks. And I, and I was, you know, commenting on a thread earlier about him where, you know, this year, like, I don't know, I, I want to just – bump him way up my rankings just because of that stuff, the elite, you know, strikeout potential he has, but the walk rate just never gets better. Like we, we keep hoping that it gets better, but look at, you know, back in rookie ball, which is a small sample size. So it was 20.4% low a 2018, 10.7% high a 2019, 15.6% double a 2021, 12.5%. And then in just triple, I didn't take his record rehab starts in just AAA this year, 14.6%. I don't know. I'm starting like that reliever risk percentage for me just continues creeping up. I still think it's like 65, 35 starter, but maybe there's a route where he, you know, they go Josh Hader with him and make him into it's a dominant reliever, which you still have plenty of some solid value there too. But I don't know. I, I'm still a bit cautious when it comes to Hall. Yeah, I mean, there's good reason to be. I, th- I think the Orioles give him a chance as a starter. Yeah, sure. At least see where it goes. Uh, I mean, hard to deny what he's been doing. As you mentioned, the results are good outside the the walk rate, and that's obviously ballooned his whip and probably his ERA to an extent. But, I mean, shoot, 18% swing strike rate. It's ridiculous. The amount know, of Ks, right? the amount of Ks and those amount of innings is just insane. I know it, so, it, it draws you in, right? Yeah. He's been absolutely stellar from that standpoint. The stuff is arguably 
the stuff could be the best of any minor league pitcher. I really think that, but I just think the control is just not quite there. So that'll be a, a big sticking point for him. He's he's got to be able to to do that. And we're talking about a pitcher who's never pitched more than a hundred innings in his professional career. Like that's something we'll see if he can do. Like can he finish out the year and push a hundred innings? You know, the command needs work. There's definitely some work to be done, despite the stuff being good and the upside being really good as well. Yeah, I said I I want to put him top fifty, but that walk rate. And I, I value that more and more every year. Like we've seen very talented arms that just don't reach their potential or even fizzle out because they can't limit the free passes and locate their stuff where they want to. And that's been an issue with, with Matt Brash. He, Matt Brash is nasty, but he's had some command and control issues as well. So I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm hoping he can because he's a very fun pitcher to watch. You watch some of his starts. He's very fun. Like the, the ball moves, the fastball gets on hitters. The stuff is sharp. It breaks, but man, that walk rate just needs to come down. In fact, it's gone up this year by about 2%. It's just not <laughs> encouraging at all, but Taj Bradley is one that, you know, I think everyone knows that Taj Bradley is good or very good, but I still think he gets enough love. Like look at what he's done this year. Hey, as a 21 year old, he has a 170 ERA and 0.91 whip in 74 and a third innings, 88 strikeouts to 18 walks. He doesn't get, whenever you talk about top five pitching prospects in baseball, he doesn't get talked about. I think he should. Like There's a you know number two starter upside here. Tampa Bay, obviously, has been one of the best pitching development orgs in baseball. That makes you feel good. He's only still only 21. He's always had a pretty high string and strike rate. The swing and miss stuff is there. He's got above average command and control as well, which is very encouraging. You know, I think he needs to be in that top five pitching prospect discussion. And I think I might have actually put him there. I'm trying to pull it up. So overall, right now, I just bumped him up, up to 35 overall. Only ones ahead of him right now are Max Meyer, Gary Perez. Pulling up here. Espino, Boz, and Giron. I think the Boz, he might have just graduated. But Boz will graduate before my next update, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, that puts him fifth right now ahead of, like, he's just ahead of Kyle Harrison, Gavin Williams, and guys like that. So, yeah, I think he's top five, and I think he's undervalued that you can still get for a price tag that's not quite that high. Yeah, I don't really know what the hesitation is on him at this point. I mean, he's just been so good throughout his career. You know, it feels like a, a Joe Ryan type where he's just in this system and just never gets any love. Joe Ryan did this exactly. It was just consistently good. <clears throat> Difference is Bradley's actually got a really good fastball. And I think his secondaries are a little better than advertised. I think the slider's really good as well. He's just doesn't get any love. I don't I don't really know why, but you're right. And you know, gotta shout out Matt Heckman, who writes for us on the site, but he tweeted out yesterday he says full updated list should be out next week but new top 10 dynasty prospects yet to debut and he has Tosh bradley at number five which is wow overall so that's so pretty good wait, for for pitching or just overall 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 overall, overall. yeah so prospects he has prospects yet to debut it's top 10 or carol g rod max meyer hassel bradley volpe novi Marte, espino tovar and walker so and Tosh is He's got him up there, so shout out to him. Wow. Follow him, Heckman underscore Matt one one five. Right, sports at Fantrax too, so check him out. But yeah, that's that's a lot of love for Bradley, and yeah, 
that's higher than I go on pitching prospects just in general. Like I have G Rod top ten maybe, but I rarely put pitchers top ten just from just my way of ranking. But I mean, third overall pitcher, so that's uh that's pretty high praise. So it is uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's a stud. I, you can't argue with the results though. You you can't you can't prick hardly any holes in what he's done. And I think his arsenal is just really underappreciated and he just produces. So it's, it feels like a Joe Ryan case, but like I said, with a better, with a, you know, fastball, that's not 90 miles an hour while there's good aspects of Ryan's fastball, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. So yeah, Bradley's really good. He's just turned 21 and he's, he's been dominant. So I'm all on board the Tosh Bradley train. Yeah. And this isn't just happening this year. Look at last year in 103 and a third in between low a and high a 183 era 0.93 whip and you know pretty similar strikeout walk rates so yeah this has been going on for well over a year now year and a half now season and a half the combined 100 and you know about 77 and two-thirds innings over the last two years of a sub two era sub one whip and k rate over 30 percent yeah he is a stud and yet so i second that go follow matt heckman you know, at Heckman underscore Matt one one five, as Chris said, a very knowledgeable guy that deserves a lot more followers than he has right now. Great writer, great analyst. So go go check him out. And but that's gonna wrap us up. Thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aircross04, Chris at Rotocleg, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fancy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.